getting to know him. Isn't it amazing? A man who didn't know that he had to take his shoes off in the presence of God because it was holy ground. You know, he started out so ignorant of the things of God. Well, you know, Moses was a Hebrew, but he was raised in Egypt. And he was drawn out of his uh, uh, his natural uh, culture and placed into a different culture, a sinful culture, a pagan culture. And it was time for him to come back to his people again. And so in coming back, he had to learn the ways of God. Amen. And so Moses, you know, we can look at him and... and Treat him as just a, a common, ordinary person without anything special about him. But he was meeting an extraordinary God. And some of the things that Moses hungered for, we as believers sometimes don't even know that we can ask for these things. And so I look at Moses as somebody who is bold and aggressive. And if God told him, uh, told him he was going to do something, he wanted to see it happen. You know, he held God to his word. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do more as believers. Just hold God to his word. You know, God, you told me uh, you were going to manifest yourself. You told me to go pray for this person and that you would heal them. You know, you told me to do these things and and hold God accountable. He doesn't mind that. He That's part of faith is to look for that and expect that result. And when we don't get it, we go back to God and, and get understanding. So often we take responsibility for what really belongs to God. You know, if, if you pray for somebody and you don't get, get results, what's the first thing we do? We, what's wrong? We wonder what's wrong with us, you know, because we know there's nothing wrong with God. But still we have to petition God to, to do what he said he's going to do. And I think that's one of the things you can admire about Moses. He, if God told Moses he was going to do something, Moses expected it. And if he didn't see it, he would talk to God and, and get go back there to make sure he got the results. He wasn't trying to pin the blame on God or pin the blame on himself or get out of responsibility for anything. But he was trying to get the results that God wanted him to get. So Moses has been told by God in Exodus 33 to take the people out that have come out of Egypt. Now it's time to go into the promised land. Well, coming out of Egypt was one level of challenge, but going into what God had for them is a totally different level of challenge. Now they've got to fight, and now they've got to, to show God what they're made out of to a degree and expect God to honor what they're doing and one of the things that Moses wants to make sure of is that he's not going up there in his own strength huh he tells God in one situation he says I'm not going up there unless I know you're going with me and if you're not going to go with with me I'm not going and that's a good attitude because in, in it's the way we would phrase it in our dispensation that we live in of the power of God is if I'm not anointed, I'm not going to get involved in this. Amen. Amen. If, if I'm not sure that you've empowered me to do this and I feel you're prompting to do something, I'm not going to get involved in it. We have so many people assuming that they're anointed and assuming that they're empowered 
And then when they get up and start going through the motions and then there's no results, then they want to blame something, somebody, anything but themselves. You know what I'm saying? Which for us, it should be no blame. All we need to do is go back to God and and wait for the anointing and, and allow God to empower us. If God says, read the word more, you read the word more. If he says, pray in tongues more, you pray in tongues more. If he says, fast, that's what you do. Until that you are empowered and you're sure you're empowered by God. I'm going to tell you something that I learned. One of the ways for the anointing to grow in your life is that you intercede for people for certain things. Intercession is always the first door of entry into the power of the Spirit of God. You'll find yourself, if you pray regularly for sick people, you'll find your faith grows and pretty soon God will move you to go lay hands on somebody and he will heal them through your touch through your hands you understand me another way to receive the anointing is to submit to somebody who's got it that's the easiest way to get it because if you're if you're properly submitted you become an extension of their hands and their feet where they can't go you go and that's the way we that's who we are in relationship to christ we are his body and 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 where he can't get to we go now and so as long as you stay under the person God's assigned you to, then you take on their anointing in their spirit. Anybody who takes over a meeting in our, our ministry, they have the same anointing to heal you as Pastor Shirley or I do. That's how it comes. It's delegated from one level to the next. If you pray regularly, that's why we have two prayer watches to keep your spirit full of the word of God. So that when, when news of sickness comes, all you have to do is rely on what you've been praying all along and you're already built up on the inside to fight that thing. And it happens through interceding, it, it regularly interceding for people. We've been praying the same divine health prayer for more than 30 years. And that's why there's very little sickness among us. You understand? Amen. And I thank God for that. Two things God told me, he said, pray, have your people pray constantly for their finances and for their health. He said, because they're the two things that the devil will knock you out of commission over is your health and your finances. So get that secured first and then you can move out and begin to to war and to fight and to do other things for me. But it's very easy for the devil to knock you out. All he got to do is give you a funny pain somewhere and you ready to go somewhere and sit down and go nurse yourself. And so what, what God had us to do was to keep one another healthy. Why? By how? By praying. And, and then you pray for other people. And what you what you extend to somebody else is a seed you sow out and God begins to return that into your life. And so it's very easy to catch on to God going with you in all things and him being with you in all things. And so whatever system God puts you under, uh, make sure that it's a, a, a supernatural power of God system. Don't sit up in a dead church where you never see anybody healed. Where you never see anybody delivered. Where you never see. Don't sit up in deadness like that. He's ordained more for you. And I believe that's why most of you are here. If you want more, you know he's got more for you. So Moses was a smart man. He didn't want to go up naked, as we say, with no power, unprepared. So he told God, if you don't go with me, I ain't going. Amen. You telling me I can go and lead these people and fight all these people. 
I want to I want to to go up empowered. And then in the same conversation, Moses and Joshua are up on the mountain with God, talking to God. Moses goes back down and, and, and spends time with the people. He co- comes back up again. And he says uh, in verse, let me think, verse 14, and he said, God said this, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. In other words, don't worry about a thing. When God's presence is with you, there's an automatic assurance, you know, a reassurance. There's a, oh, I don't have to worry about anything. When he says, I'll give you rest, it doesn't mean sleeping at night. It means I'll give you freedom from concern, freedom from worry, freedom from doubt. When my presence will take care of everything, every shortcoming you feel that you have within you will be taken care of by my presence. It'll go with you. And so he says, and he said to him, if, if, my, if your presence does not go with me, don't take us up there. In other words, God, if you're not going to go with me, now don't mess with me. In other words, don't joke with me, God. If you're not going to go, don't make me go up there by myself. In other words, don't give me marching orders and I go in my own strength and my own power. So God never intends for anybody who works for him not to be empowered. That's why Jesus told the disciples, wait Go sit in and tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the power from on high. Don't go out there and try to do this yourself. You'll be like the sons of Sceva. Huh? They, didn't, they weren't empowered by the Holy Spirit, tried to cast out a devil, and devils beat them up, ripped their clothes off, and chased them naked down through the streets. Amen? And they were the talk of the town. God does not want us to be the talk of the town in a bad way, but in a good way. Amen? And so he said, don't take me up here if you're not going to go with me. For verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight? In other words, how are people going to know that we're your people? How are they going to know that you're a believer? How are they going to know you're a Christian? I know everybody don't want it known. Well, are you undercover, half worldly, half Christian, y'all cool Christians? That don't want it known. God will show up on you anyway. And you'll have a friend in trouble. And the Holy Spirit will be pushing you to help them. You finally do something. And they'll say I knew it was something different about you all along. See you weren't fooling nobody. Amen. Trying to look worldly and cool. That don't fool. You know the Holy Ghost will show up. It's like it's like you're walking around trying to be cool. And this big sign on the back says kick me. That's the way the Holy Spirit will do you. You try to act like God don't own you when you get out there in front of your cool friend. <laughs> or on your job where you're scared to act, you know, you want to come in there and act like you half worldly like them so you don't be persecuted. God will show up on you anyway. But Moses, Moses was smart. He said, I don't want to do this if I don't have your power, if you don't go with me. Whatever going with, going with me means to Moses, that's what it means to us. And so he says, how will people know that we have found favor in your sight? Is it not that you go with us? So shall we be separated, I and your people, from all the people on the, on the face of the earth? So he says, if you go with us. 
that'll make us distinctive. We'll, that's how we'll be distinguished from all the people on the face of the earth. Because at that time, there was no born again experience. There was no salvation experience. So they had to experience God in a different way. And Moses says, I want you to go with us. Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken. Everything that Moses asked, God said, I'm going to do it. God is a yes God. He's not a no God. He's not refusing to help us. He's not refusing to go along with us. He's not refusing to be our our God. He wants to go with us. But we must always ask. He's not just going to jump on you and and ride you everywhere. Once Whatever God does in your life, he has permission to do it. You know, when God shows up in your life, it's because you've already dedicated your life to him. But he must have your faith permission in order to do these things. So he says, I will do this thing also that you have spoken for you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Amen. So what God is saying to Moses is that you're not just one person. You're not just a person of many people on the face of the earth. I have a relationship with you. I am your friend. I know you by name. Knowing somebody by name means that you've had a proper introduction and they've accepted you as a friend. And so God is saying, I'm your friend, Moses. And he said in verse 18, he said, I pray, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So God says, I'll do this that you're asking me. And it's my decision who I bless. It's my decision. You know, there's in other words, God's saying there's no hard and fast rules and laws about uh, who I'll bless, who I'll treat well, etc., etc. I'll do it at my own discretion. So he says, Moses, I've decided you're my man. I'm going to show you who I am and I'll proclaim my name out of my glory. And verse 20, and he said, you cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand upon a rock and I shall cut and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cliff of the rock. And I will cover your cover you with my hand while I pass by and I will take away my hand and you will see my hinder parts or my rear guard. The glory of the Lord is is our rear guard. Amen. So he showed Moses his hinder parts. He couldn't see his face. Now hiding him in the cliff of the rock is a symbol of what? Jesus Christ. So when we're hidden, we're in Christ, we have access to see all of God's goodness. Not just his hinder parts, which was glorious to Moses. As God passed by Moses, he began to declare who he was. He says, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord gracious and merciful. So he declares who he is out of his glory. If you need a miracle, he declares, I am your miracle worker out of his glory. If you need to be healed, I am your healer. He declares it out of his glory. It's out of his tangible presence that that he makes known who he is. 
That's why we want to see the glory of God. We want to see the fullness. When Moses said, God, show me your glory, what he was really saying is, show me what you got. Huh? You show me the kind of God. Are you weak? Are you strong? I don't know anything about you. We're just getting to know each other. And so when he says, show me your glory, in other words, show me what, what I'm getting into. Make me secure in knowing that you're powerful enough to do the things that you're promising me you're going to do. See, many times we assume too much about God without trying to get intimate knowledge with it and, and come into contact with it so we can get secure. God does not mind us getting secure in him. Whatever we need to see, he'll show it to us, just like he showed it to Moses. So he was able to show it to Moses, who was a carnal man, and they really didn't have a covenant yet. God tried to give him a covenant, and Moses broke it when he got down to the bottom of the mountain, remember? So this is between the second tablet of stone, and so Moses is getting to know God. But what he's asking God for is the maximum that God can show him. And look at us. We, we, we scramble along with very, very little from God and scared to ask him for more. When Moses asked him for the whole ball of wax, when, the, you know, in their fair, almost their first meeting. And so we're very different from, from the Old Testament saint. We, we need to step it up a little bit and start to expect to see more of God and more power and more glory. All of the things that God has promised, we need to expect to see and we need to ask God to show us these things. Don't be afraid to ask him. It, it, you know, sometimes within you, you get a little nervousness. Oh, if I, I, I want to see that. Like some people say things like, well, Jesus came to me uh, in a vision or a visible form. I had a visitation from God. And, and I would think sometimes, I want that. And then something in me would say, no, you don't. Huh? That's scary. You know, you don't have to see that. Just stay in your word. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to get out of the habit of being afraid of God. Because, amen, amen. Because under the old covenant, men did not have the born-again experience. God would say things like, well, sanctify yourselves before I show up. In other words, pay attention and and get yourself away from your worldly distractions. Uh, Get away from the things that would would, uh, tie you to the flesh. Fasting was always something you could do so that your carnal man is not so engaged and your spiritual man can easily contact God. And so when when God would say sanctify yourselves and he says if you don't sanctify yourselves I'll break out against you. See Uh, God has no choice he has to be against sin. And so if he caught sin in the camp it would cause a judgment immediately against them. So he gave a warning said tomorrow this time I'm coming through sanctify yourself so that I don't have to be against you I can be for you when I come through well now that we have the new birth and we're baptized in the Holy Spirit he's always for us he'll never break out against us amen you know if you're in sin and you determined to abide in sin he will remain living in you but he will have to, to not be as active in your life until you repent and you get right with him again. Amen. And so God says here, I will show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. I'll be merciful to you by hiding you in the cliff of the rock. 
and then I'll, I'll go forth and I'll declare my glory before you. The Lord God Almighty, merciful, that's who I am. And so he finally showed Moses his glory. Now, what does that word glory actually mean? I know we, in Christianity, we kind of throw terms around and, and don't know what, but what Moses was asking for gives probably the best description I've ever heard. And that's show me what you got. Show me all that you've got. Show me the best that you've got. And so God began to declare out of his glory who he was. That's what we are expected to do, to do in the earth. Declare out of God's glory who he is. Jesus is your healer. We declare that out of his glory, out of the spirit of God that rests upon us. We make that declaration. And then God begins to manifest according to our words. The Bible says he confirms our words with signs following. He can't produce any signs until we produce the words. I know many times we think, well, suppose he does it or suppose you declare it anyway. It's up to him to confirm and manifest. It's not that's not your job. See, if faith says it anyway, I remember when I first started praying for the sick and and uh, we had our first empowerment meeting. We used to call them outreach meetings then. And I was just praying and I said, well, if anybody needs prayer, come up to the altar. And I was shocked. Everybody almost came up there. I said, well, how do these people get here? You know. And then it, I, 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 it, it re, I reminded myself that I wasn't declaring out of myself now. I was declaring out of his glory and out of his power. And so God knows how to summon people for help and they know how to respond. And so I got accustomed to that response because I knew that it was not me inviting them. It was God inviting them to do that. And so when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about all the goods of God, the best he has to offer, everything that he has for us is laid out in his glory so there's nothing lacking in his glory it is the highest level of the shalom of god the peace of god where nothing is missing nothing's out of place nothing's broken everything's accounted for everything that you need is in his glory everything you can expect him to do for you is present in his manifested presence so that you can expect every need to be met you can expect every prayer to be answered. You can expect every sick person to be healed. You can expect every lame person to walk. So never diminish your expectation thinking that God doesn't want to do certain things right now. He wants to do everything all the time. He wants to do everything all the time. He doesn't decide, well, I'm only going to heal this one, this one, this one, this one. He wants to heal everybody every time. He wants to get every lame person walking. He wants to get every sick person well. He wants to open all blinded eyes and all deaf ears all the time at every meeting. So he's never limited on his desire or his ability to do these things. So we must take the limits off God. So when we call for his glory like Moses did, Moses says, show me what you got. Just show me everything. Now Moses didn't even know what he was looking for. And many times we don't either. 
So we're asking for God's uh, unlimited resource to help us. That's what his glory is. Unlimited resource to help us. Unlimited gifts of the spirit. Unlimited uh, healings. Unlimited deliverance power. Unlimited salvation power. Unlimited. You don't want to wrestle with people to get them to receive Christ. You want to, you want it to be an easy thing. So you say, God, show me your glory. Give me the best you've got. Amen? Giving you the, oh, that's a different term. Sorry. Alright, but y'all got me. Y'all just sing Anita Baker, whatever you gotta do to get God's glory, but you get, you understand what I'm saying. You want the best that he's got. Alright. So what is the glory of God? One of the there there were five words, actually Hebrew words I found that they used for his glory. <clears throat> it was really indescribable. Uh, just like the word for peace in the Old Testament. You'll find more than three or four words for the peace of God. If you if you look up things like uh uh worship and praise, you'll find very many words used synonymous with that. Because these are, are things that are very hard to describe. So over the ages they've described in different ways. One of the words is kabod, K-A-B-O-D, which means to be heavy or severe in a good sense. Huh? Heavy or severe. In other words, the heaviness of God overcomes sickness. It sits on sickness and kills it. So it's heavy in a good way. Amen. And it roots it out and it, it does it with without any limitations on it. It just comes down full force and hits it and kills it. If you can think about that, we'll stop getting these partial healings, won't we? When we think about it coming heavy and full, well, God wants to come in heavy and full force. Why do I always go away with just the pain left and everything else is still there? You got me? And so, or it, it's leaving. It doesn't totally leave all. If, if he came in, bam, heavy, full force with it in a good way and kill that thing, then we should walk away totally free of it. Amen? So think about healing now in that way, okay? Begin to think about it in that way. It means to be numerous, so unlimited. It means to be rich. When you think of something that's rich, it's excessive. It's excessive. It's honorable. It means to make weighty. And when you're at the altar, when, when you, you know, if you yield to the power of God, you know, and I'm one of these people, I believe that when the power of God comes upon you, you should yield to it. I can always tell people who are not yielding because you lay hands on them and they start backing up. And I think that's the worst thing in the world you can do at the altar because you'll go away with the same sickness you had. You go away with the same symptoms. I've seen it over the years, and and I've heard people say, it doesn't make any difference if you fall down or not. I'm sorry, I disagree. I've always disagreed. Amen. Because I think people who are, are, if if you come up to the altar to receive, and I lay hands on you, and you start backing away, most people wind up, they stand there looking confused, they look around, they don't know what to do, and I know they didn't receive what they came for. Got me? 
because they're scared of it. You know, they're scared of it. And they sometimes people sit there and make up their minds they're not going to fall. And I think that's kind of stupid. You know, you, I mean, it's not about falling or not, except that if you're yielding, you fall because the weight of God is heavy. You understand what I'm saying? He's more powerful than you are. And you shouldn't play those games at the holy altar and try to, you know, got your mind made up about something. You need to have getting what you need on your mind and that alone and cut out these shenanigans, you know. Nobody's looking at you, you know. People think everybody's looking at them, what they going to say. You know, get out of yourself. You know, that's how you stay sick is staying in yourself. Huh? I've seen it many times, you know, lay hands on people and they start backing up or they want to stand there and don't want to yield and all this kind of stuff. And Or would they get down, they get up so fast, you know, God didn't find them down there, you know. So had a, you know, stay down there and let God work on you. You know, it's amazing to me. We'll go to the, to the doctor, take everything off. They stick, cut, probe, and, and do all this kind of stuff. We We submit to that. But when it comes to our Holy Father, we don't want to submit to Him. It makes no sense. Or, you know, they'll feel something and back up again. I say, ay, 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 ay. They'll be back again with the same thing, but that's another story. I'm not going there today. I'm going to talk about His glory. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And see, they think it's about the preacher wants you, the preacher wants you to fall. I could care, but I care. You know, I care that you get better. And I care that, that we get these stupid, crazy instructions. I found, too, a lot of people making the comments don't even have the power of God in their lives. You know, it doesn't make any difference, all this kind of stuff. It makes a difference to me. You know, you know when you've yielded and when you haven't. So, okay, it says, make weighty, abounding with, no limitations. So you want the power of God with no limitations. It means exceeding abundant. Splendor, copiousness. The implication is nothing missing. As Moses said, God, show me what you got. Mm-hmm. The other word is, uh, means to gleam or embellish. Or to boast. There's a scripture. I think it's in Revelation 21:11. Is a description of the glory of God, and it describes it as radiant, like a rare jewel. Radiant, like a rare jewel. So when when uh, Jesus talks about the bride, you know, the Bible says the woman is the glory of the man, or the the talking about husbands and wives, of course. And and we are the Lord's glory. Amen. We are the shining in the earth that represent him. So he causes us to shine in, in the earth, to be noticeable in the earth like a rare jewel. And so as Christians, the way we carry ourselves in the spirit of God is very important to God. He has a way to to beautify us, glorify us. The Bible says he makes all things beautiful in its time. You understand? And he has a way to adorn us and glorify us so that we stand out and we shine in the earth. 
So people are drawn to us. Amen. They are drawn to us by his glory radiating out of us. It also means to boast. So when the Lord passed by Moses, he began to boast about himself. He began to tell Moses, I'm this, I'm that. I'm excellent, wonderful, uh, grander than every, anything you've I've created everything. I'm the best. I'm the highest. So when you think about God's glory, you can boast in the greatness. God's going to heal you today. You understand what I'm saying? He's going to do this today. Amen. And so our boast becomes in his power and his glory. It also means to explain oneself, the glory. So there's understanding of God in his glory. He can speak out of his spirit the things that he wants us to know about him, just like he did with Moses. And so it's it's a good thing to understand all this is included in the glory of God. All of the nine gifts of the spirit are in operation in the glory of God. When you have the greatness of God, you have the operation of the Holy Spirit in ways to give you wisdom, to give you knowledge, understanding, special faith, discerning of spirits, so that you know if you're dealing with friend or foe. You got me? That's really mostly what discernment is. It's not a whole bunch of names, you know, naming devils and, you know, you got... You run out of names, sometimes you start naming them after relatives. That's the Uncle Dave spirit, and the Uncle John spirit, Cousin Leroy spirit, Bebe spirit, Man Man spirit, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we, we have to be careful, you know, in discerning of spirits. You, you know, God will give you some type of knowing on the inside, whether you're dealing with friend or foe. If it's foe, you take authority over it. You don't interview it. You don't want to know nothing from it. You want God to give you your information. You don't need the devil to give you information. You want him. You got me? They don't do anything but lie anyway. So <laughs> Can't trust them. <laughs> All right. So it means to boast, explain oneself, make it clear. It means to shake a tree. So the strength of it, amen, powerful enough to move uh, a move a stable tree. It means to vaunt oneself. In other words, speak highly of oneself. So God speaks highly of himself in his glory. He speaks, I'm your miracle worker. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your salvation. I'm your friend. I'm your, your uh, confidant. I'm your father. I'm your gift. I'm your understanding. I'm your wisdom. You got me? So it, he vaunts himself up higher than anybody else in his, in his glory. What the, um, the other word, hadar, means magnificence. It means to swell up with pride. When God does miracles, it swells him up with pride. Amen. All of these activities that he does, he does it so that he can boast about himself. He can let people know how magnificent he is. It means favor and honor, beauty, comeliness, excellency. So the glory of God has beauty to it. Amen. It has beauty to it. In other words, it's favorable to you. It's easy to let it come into your life. Amen. Because of the beauty there. Excellency, majesty, 
It also means countenance. So the glory of God is the face of God. Amen. Remember he had a face and he had a back to Moses. So when you see when God shines his face upon you. That means his glory comes upon you. He makes his face to shine upon you. Means that he wants to look at you and acknowledge you. If he turns his back to you, that means a disfavor. That's when we bless, we say, may the Lord make his, lift his countenance upon you. That means that he, when he lifts up and sees you, that means he acknowledges you in his presence. And he's ready to give you everything that you ask for. Amen. That's an automatic. When you're in the presence of a king, you come there because you need something from him. And when he acknowledges you, like with Esther, uh, and King Ahasuerus, when he lifted out the scepter to her, that meant that she automatically got what she wanted. You got me? You didn't get in his presence unless he was favorably disposed towards you to begin with. So when he held out that scepter, that meant that you had access and you had immediately what you wanted. Kings would let you have an audience with them be, because they had the power to give you what you asked for. And if they had, had uh, you know, uh, the, if you had the favor to go into their presence, they automatically released it to you. Amen. If you weren't extended the scepters, just get lost and they don't even look up and acknowledge you. And so you, you know that you have what you asked for. Because he acknowledges us and lifts his countenance upon us. His glory is his countenance. That's his face. When you get in his face, you ask for anything you want. And he grants it to you. It's automatically granted. Amen. If he didn't want to give it to you, he wouldn't let you in there. Huh? My husband had a saying sometimes, you know, he was not a generous man. Don't get me wrong. You know. The stop and frisk was still in operation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, what you got? <laughs> he was hiding it from me. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, there were times where I said, well, well, I need so-and-so. He said, hey, you got to get it because you caught me with it. <laughs> See, that's, that's God. <laughs> that was rare. You know what I'm saying? He was either drunk or narcissist. <laughs> He's in a good mood that day. But, no, he, you know, he just. There's, there were times it was easy for him, you know, and it's easy for God all the time to give to us. Amen. So, amen, because you get in daddy's pockets, you get in daddy's pockets, you caught him with something, you can have it. Amen. And that's the way it is. Halal is another word. It means to be clear. In sound or color to shine. Brilliance. No flaws. Beautiful. Good to look at. Wonderful to look at. It also means to boast or rave or make a show of something. So God's in, when God pours out his glory, he wants to show out to people. He wants to strut his stuff. He says, this is my time to come in here and do what I've been longing to do for my people all this time. Except nobody's been willing to let me in and expect me to show myself off like this. He's not stingy. When he comes to answering prayer, he's not stingy when it comes to pouring out his presence. He wants to abide. If we would, if we could tolerate it or we would just give him the time, he'd be with us 24-7 every day, all the time. He was that way with the early church. He wants to be that with the now church. He wants to be that with the church in every dispensation. It means to rave and be foolish about something. Amen. Excessive, wildly excited. To be giddy about it. 
It means to celebrate, to give light. Glory also means to give in marriage, where Jesus is betrothed to his bride. So his glory connects us to him in a marriage way. Amen. It means to sing. It means worthy of praise, renowned, to make mad, to fool and commend. So all of those come in the presence of God. You've seen people drunk in the spirit. I have. I've seen people stumble around in the spirit when when they'll yield to the spirit of God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like a whole assembly of people are drunk. But those who yield to the spirit, I've been drunk in the spirit before, you know, where I've just kind of stumbled around for a little bit, had to find me a seat. And, you know, you, you yield to it. Now, now, if I'm preaching, I can't go like that, but I will if it if the power of God's like that, you know, for me, I like yielding to the power of God. And so there are different things that come into play there in his presence, his excessive presence, his excessive presence. Another word is ornament, beauty, or bravery, comely and fair. It's always God is beautiful to behold in his majesty and in his glory. So we need to let go of our fear of God. We need to see the presence of God as our friend, and we need to seek the presence of God. In Habakkuk 2.4, there is a promise there. And it says, as surely as I live, saith the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. The knowledge of the glory of God, the manifest presence of God. There's a false knowledge about God in the earth. He's mean. He's, he hates people. He only wants to send you to hell. You, you'll, you'll, you'll never get anything good. He wants to take your fun away. All that kind of stuff. All that false knowledge of God, God wipes that away by showing up in his glory. So he wants to show up in the darkest places that have the most ignorance and the most lies perpetrated against him. So that he can boast about himself to people who don't know him as well. So it's not the glory is not solely for the church, but it's for the church to carry into the darkness of the earth. So that God can get involved in that darkness and start to boast about himself, start to manifest himself, start to tell the truth to people about who he is. He's not an easy God. He's a holy God. But as a holy God, he can make you holy too so that he can have constant fellowship, companionship, and you can have constant experience with him. You can get to know God in his glory. And he wants that. First Chronicles 16.24 tells us to declare his glory in the earth. You can have what you say. Don't ever think that your words are not heard, they're not honored, and they're not manifested. Because they are. If you sit up and talk about your problems all day long, trust me, they will continue to manifest and not go away. But if you will declare God's glory, by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes my, his, my pain has left. By his stripes the devil has no hold on me. And constantly declare his glory, his goodness, his truth. And that will manifest. So he tells, the Bible tells us to declare his glory in all the earth. Don't think that there's an area that's too dark for God to manifest in. Don't think that there are people who are too bad for him to change their hearts, 
for him to save them, for him to touch them. He wants his glory manifested and recognized by all of creation. Amen. So you can prophesy to your plants that are dying. You can prophesy to your goldfish that is now floating on the top of the water. You know, it's belly up. You can speak to him and get him to start swimming again in Jesus' name. So God wants to manifest himself. and He doesn't care if it's, if it's a small thing. It's nothing small or big to God. It's all a request from some of his children and he wants to manifest himself. We have a right to see his glory because he, does, he says he desires to show himself off to us. So the glory of God is not for a select group of really special holy people who pray 24 hours a day and never eat anything. It's for people who know their God and expect him to come just like Moses wanted to know him. If you, if you see yourself like Moses, he wasn't a special man. None of the people that God used in the Bible were special people. They, they, but they believed in a special God. They believed in an extraordinary God. And they wanted to see the full power of God every day in their lives. So he desires to show himself off to us and to all of the earth. He's like waiting to get out of the box that we put him in. You know, we put God away. You know, we, we worship him, we praise him, and then we put him away in a box and we go off and live our lives. He does, he wants out of the box. He wants to come out. He wants people to expect him to come out and manifest his goodness, his love, his power, his peace. Most of us want what's in his hand. We don't want to be close to his heart, you know. What allowed me to stop and frisk my husband was I was close to his heart and he was close to mine. Amen. We loved each other. We we protected and helped one another. We wanted what we supported one another, encouraged one another. We wanted what was best for one another in life. And so I could pat him down. <laughs> Get in his pocket. <laughs> he, he He could expect me to do whatever he asked me to do for him. As well. You know, it was a reciprocal thing. And I didn't resent doing any of it. I enjoyed doing it. Let yourself enjoy life, folks, okay? You don't have to hate housework and hate cooking and help all all this stuff, you know, to be a good wife. Go sing another song. That one's old. Amen. Doesn't work. It's old. It didn't come from God. Praise the Lord. Keep loving me. I love you. Amen. So Moses wanted to know what God had, and we want to know what he's got. Can he really heal a sick body? Can he really heal somebody who's been languishing with illness for many, many years? Can he heal somebody born with a birth defect that's never walked or never done anything, you know, of strength? Can he really do that? And the only way you know that is to ask him to demonstrate that for you. And don't quit asking. Now, sometimes we ask on a dare and then don't see anything. We never ask again. And so we have to continually ask God to manifest the fullness of his power. In Exodus 24:15, if you'll turn there, God appeared to them in the cloud. And he still comes in a cloud in a way. Sometimes when the anointing, we call it the anointing increasing in the room. It feels like a cloud sometimes. It's just kind of creeping in. 
uh, the presence of God and, and notice those things because God wants us to get accustomed to him manifesting himself in a great way. So Exodus 24 and verse 15, it says, And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode on the Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now God did that for a purpose. He stayed there and said nothing for six days. Why? To get people accustomed to him being there. This is what he wants to do. He wants to stay there all the time. He wants to dwell in the midst of his people. He wants to live among us, not just come and go. And so he stayed there six days and whoever was believing to see him on the seventh. You know, sometimes people get accustomed to God. Oh, he's been there six days. I can go home now. He's going to stay there. But Moses hung around to see what God would do. God had his full attention. The glory of God and the presence of God comes to people that give him his full, their full attention and give continual attention. If you just want to pull God out of a box every now and then when you need something, he won't abide with you. But if you trust him to be your friend every single day, he will abide with you. His presence will be there. And he says, the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Moses was the only one who trusted God enough to go near to that fire. See, if you're standing away at a distance, the fire looks unappealing and threatening to you. But if you're close up. And you trust God. The fire becomes your friend. Amen. And this is the same fire that the prophets perceived. When they said the word of the Lord came to me. It was like fire shut up in my bones. There's a warmth on the inside of you. There's a tingling that emanates from the inside of you. Where the fire of God begins to stir up. And God begins to come in to meet his fire. The fire that he has in you meets the fire on the outside. And God can do a work in the earth. He does a work. If you're praying for people and you're ministering to people. That abiding presence has to come from the outside to meet your fire on the inside. Amen. Your baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire covers when when the 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 bible talks about uh the baptism you're immersed in it and then the bible says you're endued with power so it's clothed with power so the holy spirit enrobes you and envelops you in a tangible way on the outside of you as well as the inside Many times when you come up to the altar, some people who are highly sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and some people develop a sensitivity over time, but some people are highly sensitive, they, they, the presence, the tangible presence is right there in such a way that you can perceive it before the minister puts their hands on you. Amen? And so you, amen, and you know that God is presence. Well, that's the, the clothing from on high. He clothes your hands close you all over with his presence so that he can work with every member of your being to help you minister to that individual 
He can't just work with some of us, you know, some yield to God some way and then leave some of it unclothed. He has to be able to yield. You have to be able to be used in every part of you if God is going to 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 uh, manifest himself through you in a good way. Amen. He wants to do that in a good way. In Leviticus 9, 6, we see the requirements for God's glory to be seen in the Old Testament. And it was always an offering or a sacrifice. It was a sin sacrifice. So you can't be a, a, a sinner type person or a backslidden Christian or a closet sinner as a Christian and manifest the glory of God. The requirement is holy living. It's it's fashionable. It's right. Um, it's in vogue now to live holy. It's always fashionable in God's people to be a holy people. So the people made a sacrifice for their sin. They were in one accord on one place and they sanctify themselves and God came upon them. In this dispensation, we have the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. And as we repent of our sins and ask God's forgiveness, he cleanses us again of all unrighteousness and then we're clothed with his majesty from on high. In Second Chronicles 5.14, we have an example of Israel meeting God. Second Chronicles 5. God's turning the page again. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 13, it says, And it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When we get together and praise and thank God, expect more expect it don't just go through it and just oh mouthing the same words over and over again thinking about what you're going to do when the meeting's over but be on one accord expecting god to respond you know our worship is a cry out to god for him to respond to us so expect the response expect the power to fall expect the glory to fall i'm expecting tonight's meeting to be much more powerful Amen. Because we're understanding to expect more from God. Amen. He says that they were as one voice making one sound to be heard praising and thanking God. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying he's good and his mercy endures forever. That's all they sang over and over again. He's good and his mercy endures for he's good and his mercy endures for he's good and his mercy endures forever. It says then the house was filled with the cloud even the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So when he comes in, he comes in heavy. He knocks everybody down and you can't stand up. Amen. They could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Why? God wants to show himself strong. Because too many times we want to push him away like he's weak. 
Like we have control over God. We don't want to believe that, but we think if we don't want to be bothered with what God wants to do today, we go do something else. But sometimes he comes in in such a way he has to show us who he really is. He said, y'all think I'm weak. You think I'm, I tell what you're thinking. You think I'm a pushover. You think I won't help people. You think I won't heal people. You think I don't love you. I don't like you. I don't want to do certain things for you. That's a lie. I'm good. And when you call me good, then tell me, tell me my mercy endures forever. That I'm not ever going to judge you as long as you can repent and my mercy works in your life. You're, my mercy endures forever. I'm so much more merciful than I am angry with anybody. Huh? My anger only lasts for a short time, but my mercy endures forever. I want to be merciful to you. I want to be good to you. I want to show you my goodness. I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to change you to be more like me so you like yourself more. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to change you to be more like me so you will like yourself more. Hmm? Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine. Get up. Show him off. For your light is coming. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But these priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. God knocked them off their feet. Amen. He wants to knock us off our feet, folks. In a good way. We want to stand. We don't want to get wrinkled. You know, all these other things. But he wants to knock us off our feet. You need to be knocked off your feet sometimes. Amen. You need to get tired of trying to withstand everything in your own strength. Psalm 97 1. I'm going to see what that says. I could probably get just two more scriptures and then we're going to, going to pray and, and then we'll release you. Psalm 97. Verse 1 it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. You see, I'm doing 97, 1 through 9, okay? Around about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies all around him. That's how you get healed. Sickness gets burned out of your body. And the fire of God burns sickness out of your body. His lightnings enlighten the world and the earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. We all see the glory of God. We see dimensions of it in his creation. He wants to show his church though the fullness of his glory. To do all things that are needed in the earth. It says confounded be all they that save serve graven images that boast themselves in idols. Worship him all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted above all gods. So when we exalt the Lord, little bit by little bit, his glory begins to descend upon us. If we would stay and exalt him long enough, it would come and stay upon us at all times. In Numbers 20, verse 6, the glory of God appeared to Moses and Aaron, his priests only. He gives it to his ministers first. 
and then they disperse it to the people. Ezekiel 43, 1 through 12 talks about the glory of God entering the temple. Coming from on high and entering the temple. Like we expect the glory of God to come in and enter this place. Amen. And he will do it. Acts 2, 1. The believers were in one accord in one place. And God came in like a rushing mighty wind. It's the wind and the fire. God always, because he created the elements, he reveals himself symbolically through elements. So the wind and the fire came out and cloven tongues of fire descended and sat upon every person that was in there. And they got up and they got giddy. And they were thought to be drunk. And they were speaking different languages. And everything was, they were just crazy people all over the place. Why? Because God came in in his fullness and his glory and sat upon him. And you got all those reactions to the glory of God. Isaiah 58, 8, one of my favorites, the glory goes before us. And it is our rear guard. Amen. So we see the hinder parts of God going behind us all the time. His glory follows you. As a protection, as a goodness, as a provision for everything that you need. Follows you around. Just like the rock followed Israel in the wilderness. Remember that everywhere they went that rock was there. And it moved and it followed him. That rock provided water. That rock was Jesus Christ. And that's God. Amen. He is still dwelling with us in the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus said if you believe you will see the glory of God. Amen. His heavy, heavy, heavy presence, kavod of God, goodness of God, the fire of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, the presence of God, the healing power of God, anything we need from God, believe for his maximum, manifest his glory, and he will come in and, and manifest to us. We want that, folks. You know and I know. We don't carry enough power with us. We could stop and, and pray for every person we pass on the street. But it, it seldom happens. Because we don't have enough. We don't have enough of understanding God. We don't have enough of permission from God to stop and, and encounter these individuals. There's not enough. So we need the heavy of God to come in. Once the heavy of God comes in, it's irresistible to everybody. Everybody knows that's God. There's a place in every human being that God is known. Many times, you know, people stop and want to pray for people. There's no glory there. There's no people say, well, I don't think so. I, you know, I get prayed for at my church or, you know, whatever. And so we know there's something there. And God wants to give it to us. So there is more. Well, Howard, you can put the music on. I'm going to start praying for you. Everybody that wants the impartation, I know that's everybody here. Don't ever go, don't ever go and just try to think about it. You're here to receive everything. Come up and line up and catchers come up and we'll we'll do this relatively quickly because i believe god is gonna let the glory be behind me and as i pass by you you receive the impartation will that work for everybody i'm not gonna touch anybody and struggle with you and let you back up and look crazy and all that kind of stuff you come up with an attitude of receiving if you have on heels take them off get flat-footed now because you're 
if you don't want to land on the floor, get a chair behind you or something like that. But we're going to make this a fairly fast run. You guys get behind me. I'm good, Lee. Thank you. Yeah. Get behind and start all of Nola, put them all the way down to the end and we'll just, um, I'll pass before you. His glory will go behind me. We've done this before, so. Didn't we do this before, Reverend Show? Yeah. Okay. I think I want to start down here because I'm fresh hand is the same here to me. Okay, no touching. Say, God, we want your glory.
Worship us to stand to your feet down here. Come on. Oh,
nothing like you. We bless your name. Worship us to stand to your feet right here. Come on. Holy, holy, holy. 